0: yes come on and give me my hand clap of praise you are awesome god thank you jesus praise god praise god aren't you glad you're in the house of the lord today driving through the rain not bad but you know what i'd rather have some spiritual rain on my soul That's what I'm here to get today, whatever God has in store for us. Praise God. It's good to be here Good to see all of you guys. Happy Father's Day. I'll be the first to do that. I got the mic first, so happy Father's Day. Praise God. Lord bless you. If you want to turn in your uh, devices or on the screen, We're going to look into one portion of scripture that's familiar with everybody, Luke the fourth chapter, verses 17 through 19, uh, where Jesus is going into the synagogue after he was led into the spirit, the Bible says, uh, into the wilderness. The devil tempted and he came back, the Bible says, in the power. When you go through things and God sees you through things, you got some power, don't you? I may know what I'm talking about. Verse 17, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. When he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives. and Recovering of the sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised finally in verse 19 to preach the acceptable year of the Lord now when we read those scriptures I used to think that that's just for the preachers because he uses the word preach right we all got something to testify about don't we we may not have a pulpit but we've got a neighbor We've got a co worker. We've got somebody that needs a word from the Lord. And I know as well as you do, God's given us something. And it's up to us to let it go and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Lord bless you. you may be seated. I want to minister from this topic. There's something real in the house. Something real in the house. You were not here Thursday. Let me go back a few months. (laughs) We've been praying and fasting for God to move. And um, I know He does. And sometimes we walk away and we say, man, that wasn't okay. You know, we kind of score the service. I'd give it a five instead of a ten. But they're getting more intense, aren't they? Thursday night's missionary. Um, I've been in this church all my life, not this p- specific one, but um, and missionary services were something that the kids we really enjoyed because we wanted to hear. We, I remember one missionary, when I was a kid, he had a python skin that he stretched all the way across the altar, and we thought that was the coolest thing. Anyway, <coughs> Brother Josh Tinsley needs our prayer, and I, I, I don't know which grabbed me the the most of a uh, forty percent illiteracy going on in Haiti, of the gang controlled areas, of the one hour electric uh, electricity that's promised per day. There's no water. There's no sewer. There's no infrastructure at all. And if you live there, you make $1 to $3 dollars a day. The gangs control everything. And you remember in the news a year or so ago, maybe it's a couple years now, that they killed the president. Remember that? They, they off the president because he was trying to straighten things out. The story I got. If you um, get a chance online, if you can, uh, listen to that sc- uh, service that we had. It's uh, amazing thing, especially the story of the Bible from the uh, Harvey Hurricane in Houston. Uh, <coughs> amazing story. Uh, another thing that um, made me a little upset was that the gangs took our compound. If you don't know, the guys that we've been to the men's conference that we put a lot of money in, the, pe- the guys have gone over there and built a lot of stuff. It was kind of self-contained on a hill that had um, an orphanage, a church, Bible school, uh, medical place, uh, dental place. I remember the, they had said that some hospital was being renovated here in the state and we bought the beds for a dollar a bed you guys remember that they bought hospital beds sent them over there and set it all up anyway the gangs took our thing back and I, i asked brother tinsley how how are you going to go there what what are you going to do he said the the missionary i i i don't remember his name that's there now flies into the airport the airport area is safe But you cannot leave the airport area. Because if you do that, you're at your own risk. So he goes uh, and stays in the hotel there at the airport for three weeks at a time and gets back on the plane and flies back to the States. That's how they ministry to Haiti. So his idea is to go to the Dominican Republic, and go through the backwoods into their places in the Dominican Republic. But he needs our prayer, him and his wife and three small children. Mm. But you know what? There's power there because we have something that's in the house that other people don't, that they have no idea, that, that they seek for that. That's why every invitation that we have, that we come into contact with people that need their lives touched, it's so important that we get into the house of God we can. Um, the other thing that I want to mention before I get involved into this uh, text is our prayer meeting on the 3rd of June. I mean, we're here for that. <coughs> That's when we first opened it up to uh, social media, invited everybody. I kind of said, well, okay, we'll see what happens. And then we got started, remember? And I was kind of looking around and praying. And I said, so far, there's nothing happening. And in 15 minutes, there were three people here at this altar crying out to God. I hadn't seen him before. Strangers. Isn't that amazing? That's just amazing. Well, why is it amazing to me? Because traditionally thinking, Raj, you go through a revival service. You pay a preacher, a evangelist come in. You worship God and get everything going. And you you you. You tend to want to get to that place where we were at at fifteen minutes. Altar's full. People crying out to God. That's what's in this house. That's what's in this house. Okay, the other scripture you want to go to is Mark, the second chapter. This is where <coughs> most of my lessons going to be. Mark, the second chapter, verses 1 through 12. You're familiar with this. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days. I remember when we went over there in 2016 to go through the city of Capernaum. Capernaum was um, Jesus' headquarters city. Nazareth, Nazareth really looked at him as just being the carpenter's son. Nazareth looked at him as oh yeah, you're you're kind of whacked out kid in the neighborhood. Nazareth was, I remember what you did. Nazareth was somebody that just didn't believe in him. <sighs> but look at all the stuff, the things that God has done for you, and the things that this world is looking for, and, and every day, every newscast, everything that's that's uh, being said and being pushed and being slammed into our face and stuff they need god they just don't know where to find him yet that's where we're involved (coughs) he entered to capernaum i I did have a picture of capernaum uh, that we we took but it just didn't my my stuff didn't work this uh this time so uh (coughs) we'll just have to work with what's up there um (coughs) It was noised in this uh, scripture in the first uh, verse of Mark 2. It was noised that he was in the house. It's going to be another prayer meeting and it's going to be noised again that that God's going to touch people. I'm I'm saying and I'm telling you that these three ladies that were here that Friday (coughs) or that Saturday, their lives were touched. God touched them. God touched you, did he not? Verse 2, straightway many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word to them. That means the house was so crammed full of people. It, it It's kind of a thing that was set up, again, if you do any research into the history of uh, this Um, Pentecostal movement and a a revival talks about Azusa Street revival and the house on Bonnie Bray Street that was kind of like this where they stood on the front porch and preached the word because the yard was full and the street was full of people. Um, In here, in this example, Jesus was inside the house and they crammed as many people as they could in there and they couldn't get anybody in, no, nowhere around the door or any windows or anything. I'm sure everybody had heard of what Jesus had done. They had heard of what uh, was going to go on and what was happening. The Bible says that he preached the word to them. <coughs> Verse 3, and there came unto him bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. Aren't you glad for your friends? Aren't you glad for your people and your friends that, especially nowadays, have got your back, have got you covered somehow with prayer? Uh, I, I can feel the prayers of God's people. I know that the prayers are going up. You don't think that you're by yourself and that nobody knows what's going on, and we don't have to know all the details, but Jesus knows what's happening. Amen? How many are with me on that belief? That no matter what, God's people and God's kingdom is involved and things are going to happen. And God's working how uh, somehow he's working. He always is working. And I like the best thing is that God's working on the other end and the other half of why we're going through what we think we're going through that nobody's ever gone through. We think that there's no end in sight, but there is an end in sight. We think that there's no other worship or no other sacrifice, but God is sending up a goat. He's sending up a ram. He's sending something up the other side of the mountain, Abraham, so you don't have to go completely through all of this stuff. I had a great time last night putting all this together. So I've already been to church. <laughs> but I'm glad I'm here with you. Cuz it does it does a double thing because when we get together this is why it is so vital that we gather together and worship him. I need to hear your worship. I need to see your hands. I need to hear and see the tears. I need to get together with the people of God and look around and say, yeah, we're doing something in this city. Yeah, we're stretching out our hands to reach for God. Yeah, things are happening in our lives. Yeah, our altars are being full. Whew. I'm sorry, it's taken me a while to go through these 12 verses. And there came somebody bringing him his four friends. Verse four, they could not come nigh unto him for the press. They uncovered the roof where he was and when he had broken it up and let it down in the bed wherein he was sick of the palsy lay. Jesus saw their faith. He said unto the sick of the palsy, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And there were certain of the scribes sitting there reasoning in their hearts. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? (laughs) Who can forgive sins but God only? They just didn't get it, did they? God's not that difficult to understand. His love transposes everything. It goes over everything and sometimes you you get yourself in the worst condition when you start to try to analyze everything as to why all this and why all that and, and and i heard years ago sometimes people are hard to minister to in europe because they're so scientifically minded and all this kind of stuff and and um, uh, you know they really don't believe that much in god and And they try to explain it all away and Mother Earth and all that kind of stuff. And the science, throw all that stuff out. Just believe in God. You'll be a happier person. (coughs) There were certain of the scribes reasoning in their hearts. That's why they they may not have voiced it, but they sure had an attitude. (laughs) They sure... They sure looked and they said, this is just not, doesn't work with us. Only God can forgive sins. That's exactly who was in the house. Immediately when Jesus perceived in their spirit, verse 8, that they so reasoned within themselves, said unto them, why reason ye these things in your hearts? (laughs) He called them out, didn't he? It's like, I didn't say anything, but you sure knew what I was thinking. Isn't that enough to believe that this Jesus of Nazareth, the so-called son of Joseph, the so-called carpenter, knows a whole lot more about what's going on? Because he just read my mail. (laughs) And I didn't have to say anything. Whether it's easier to say the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, and to say arise, take up thy bed and walk, but that ye may know that the son of man is, Hath power on earth to forgive sins. Aren't you glad for that today? He said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thy house. Immediately he rose, took up his bed, went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed, and glorified God, saying, we have never saw it on this fashion. Kind of like we had at our prayer meeting. I've never seen it, you know, just throw something out on the social media and there's, God's awesome, isn't he? So I started in, I thought about the worst crowd that you've ever found yourself in. Got it in your mind? The worst crowd that you've ever thought. I'm not talking about driving your car in southwest Florida. And believe it or not, there are worse places than this to drive in. Hello, Washington, D.C. Hello, Manhattan. Don't, don't call a cab. Don't drive. Call a cab. I remember um, asking one guy when we were at Disney years ago, and I really don't like referring to that place, but I'm still mad just I said, how many people are, are here? And he said, well, they guess around thirty or 40,000, just in the Magic Kingdom alone. Really? Where you can't move, they're always there, and people are there, and that was probably a, a big place. The other place that I remember was Sawgrass Mills Mall. He's <laughs> yeah. ever been there during the holidays? <laughs> Put a gun to my head. I don't <laughs> I don't want to go over there. I, I I'd rather sit in the car. I actually made it to the ice cream shop though and got this thing called the kitchen sink, which was like fifty scoops of ice cream. <laughs> I love ice cream. <clears throat> Sawgrass Mills Mall, and I remember when I was dating my dear wife, they we had went to a thing called the Summerfest on Lake Michigan in Milwaukee. And the only reason why this stuck into me because we got under this uh, um, sky lift. Remember that, Carrie? We got under this sky lift. And when you're up there, you can look down and you can see, wow, there's a lot of people here. We got that into the crowd. But then I started thinking about church. then I started to think about the conferences that we would go to, and I remember specifically when we were kind of chaperoning the youth to go to the Youth Congress in Columbus, Ohio at Nationwide Arena. We sat up in uh, the balcony area and we could look down and to see the services, you know, was going on, and they had, they had the platform out in the middle of the arena. And I remember the, the the theme of that was called Ignite and it had a matchstick and the podium was a matchstick that had the, uh, <coughs> the lectern on top of it, it was kind of neat. But the main thing that I that I took from that and why I put it in here is right in the right in the very center of the preaching, these young people just started flocking to the altar. And I'm elbowing Carrie, and I said, look at what's going on here with these young people, how they hunger for God. And I looked, and I saw that you couldn't see any of the floor because the kids were there. The kids were there worshiping God. The kids that were hungry for God just packed this place out. And there's a difference. Here's here's the big thing, and I know you you know what I'm going to say. The difference is there's an atmosphere of worship. There's a shekinah glory of God that comes down into our services into this house. That's what's that's what they're looking for. They're looking for something that's real. There's a difference between a crowd that's at Disney, a crowd that's in the sawgrass mills, or a crowd that you're thinking about that you were in compared to the worship in the house of a congress of God. (laughs) I want that, don't you? Take the rest of the supper, give me Jesus. Take that other place, but let me know and let me get a hold of something that's real. Because I'm going to need something real in the future. When the devil comes in and the, like a flood, the enemy comes in your soul, I need some kind of a real spiritual baptism that i got a hold of that will see me through. And it's not that I, I, I'm expecting a big miracle from God, even though I am. It's just that I know that I can feel his presence again, that I know that what you're going through and what we're all going through, that God's right there by my side no matter what. Good stuff. Oh. Tell me that this world is not hungry for what's real. Aren't, you, aren't I, I'm sure they're tired of hearing this fake news all the time. I'm sure they're hearing tired about, about the blatant lies that gets going on. Here's the difference. People think, well, it's the sin that separates you from God. Yes, it does. But iniquity is the same as sin. When iniquity moves into your heart, it's different. Because now, here's what iniquity, the Bible says in Ezekiel, that that's what entered the heart of Satan of Lucifer he wanted to make himself better than God. But iniquity is the same thing. Here's what it means. It's it's that I know that it's wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. I know that it's wrong, but I'm going to stuff it in your face anyway. I know that it's wrong. I know I'm going to get punished, but I'm still going to do it. That's iniquity. That's what we see. That's what I feel. Iniquity. When I see that. They know what's wrong, but they do it anyway. <sighs> Imagine back on t- to Mark, the second chapter. Imagine that you are this paralyzed person. Didn't say that his arms uh, worked. Didn't say that... He it, it was just his legs it said he was completely paralyzed back then there was no uh, excuse me there was no medical facility there was no social uh, kind of care that would take care of a person like this and all his life consisted of was a three-by-six mat. That's all he lived on. Can you imagine that? That's all you had. It's a three-by-six mat. And you were completely dependent on somebody else to care for you. They were pretty tough back then because they wouldn't put up with a lot, especially some of the philosophers would say, well, if, if they're born with a def- defect or something, there's no sense in making that person live, so they'll take him out and dispose of him somewhere like that. And then the only thing that he could do was beg. The only thing that he could physically do was sit on his mat, lay on his mat. Maybe his friends could pick him up and put him somewhere so that he could sit in the temple and beg. It's quite humbling to know that your entire life Consists of a three by six mat and your friends or whoever is a family member that hasn't left you. Cares for you and it doesn't say how this man got paralyzed. What if it was something that you did to yourself? What if it's something that you climbed up that makeshift ladder and it broke and you broke your back or it hit your neck on a rock or something and paralyzed you? Don't you just hate it when it's a self-inflicted wound? Because <laughs> why? Because you're the hardest on yourself. How many's ever been there? If there's one thing that I'm good at, it's beating up Raj. I'm good at that. I can really ask this lady here. I can really go down into the depths of the poor little old me. But you're stuck on this 3x6 mat. Nothing can be done medically back then. There's no nursing care, he said, no Medicaid, no social problems. All he had was a 3x6 mat and an ability to be a beggar. But here's the thing. He had four friends that had faith in God. Aren't you glad for that person that invited you? said, we're having a revival at church. I don't know how you got to church. Or I don't know how you initially came. But I grew up in church. <clears throat> That's all I know. And I still needed a friend. I still needed somebody to put their arm around me and say, hey, Raj, let's go pray. What? I would go every service. Here's the difference. every service it becomes monotonous with you. Every service the same old same old thing. Uh, sing the songs, get the offering, listen to the script, listen to the preacher, you know, have the altar call and leave. You know that same year after year after year it gets monotonous, but I still needed somebody to say, hey Raj, why? Why did I need that? Because I was still living on a three-by-six mat. And the truth about it is we all have a mat of some kind, don't we? We've got something that we need help with. We've got something that we still haven't given it all to God. Or something has happened uh, uh, currently and you still need help with this because when you're on a mat like this, when you're a paralytic like this guy was, you're bound to that. You've no freedom at all. But we read the scripture that he's here to set liber- set them at liberty that are bruised. So it's a very humbling thing to know that in this man's case, he got carried everywhere and hoped that these people didn't drop him when they were carrying him imagine that because we have no we have no idea his physical condition all that he was was a paralytic. We have no idea if he was in pain constantly. His eyes worked. He could see what's going on. I'm sure he could talk. I don't even we don't even know his name but we do know he had four friends that knew where Jesus was and they were so determined. Here's another thing that we could preach about a lot. It's all about desire and I'll get to that in a minute. Another bad thing is. It's when your weakness is made public, that's pretty humiliating. And because of that. Sometimes people just don't really want to go down to that altar. I don't know what the problem was with these three ladies on that that night, that prayer meeting. But they wasn't, there wasn't hiding anything. And that's what we need. That's what God's looking for nowadays. I can't afford to hide my weakness. I can't afford to be a facade and put something up and say, I'm just fine when I'm really not. God's looking for truth, amen? He's not looking for people to just make up an excuse. We heard about that a couple weeks ago. We're not looking for some kind of an excuse as to why I can't go to the altar. We're looking, and God knows. He knows when you peel up everything and you, and you start peeling off the skins of the onions and the layers of the onions and get down to the real nitty-gritty problem of why I'm weak in this area and what's going on in my total life. It's hard to just wrap all that up and say, oh, well, we had just another usual service. It's not just another usual service. God is knocking. God is calling. Every message God's pulling people to an altar to say, look, you've got to change. There's got to be desire blowing up in your heart. Because why? I haven't changed. I've been in this house. I'm as real as ever. And I can fix what's going on. You don't have to live on that mat anymore. I told you I had fun last night. I don't know what your problem is I don't even know why God just laid this on my heart to to uh, a a message (coughs) to speak to but it's a difficult thing to try to keep something hidden maybe there's something on the inside of you that's been broken or you've been hurt or you don't like where you're at, or something's going on, and you don't know how to fix this. And I, you can, you can put any kind of a of a, a definition to this that you want, because I don't know you, but God does. Maybe it's a temper that you can't control. Maybe it's just fear. That's another thing that I'm so mad at this. This COVID stuff, this pandemic thing, it still has people fear. <sighs> Maybe you can't control your tongue. Maybe a person or there's an issue that you need help with. I don't know. But I do know this, and I know I'm right, that we all have a three by six mat. And that you're in a house where there's power. Power. <laughs> You're in a house where there's liberty. The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. <laughs> and it's very difficult trying to live like there's nothing wrong. You ever try? I'm not good at I am I don't have a poker face. I just kind of have one face. And uh, it's hard. Sometimes to keep a straight face when you're not when you're supposed to. So if you play cards with me or I'm on your team or something like that and uh, it doesn't do good because I give it away. It's hard to live that way when you're trying your best to hide what has been very stressful for you and in your life for a long time. John 4.24 says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. You got that? Pretty simple. I can't freely worship God if I'm kind of hiding something. Mm. And you don't know what the, the, the feeling that it is when it's like you get the Holy Ghost all over again, which you kind of do. When you just open up everything, you just tell Him everything. You just start living a life that's o- totally open to God. Who else do you want to open your heart to? And we've been beaten, we've been hurt, and sometimes people are very timid. That's the way He hooked us up. In order for you to love, you're going to get hurt. But it's a blessing when somebody loves you. And it's more of a blessing when you know and you get in the presence of God and you know that Jesus loves you. No matter what's going on, no matter how bad you may think it is, he loves you. And he's here for us today. He's here for us today to, to set you at free at, at liberty and get you up off that mat. You ever felt like Jesus is so near to you, but you just can't get through to him? You ever been like that? I've been like that. And it comes back, too, because we, we fill our we fill ourselves up with so much flesh and so much carnality and so much of life. And it's so easy to do. But you find out also that the more you dump all that junk and the more you fill up with his word and you more fill up with his presence, it's so easy to just come in and pick back up where you left off again. And then it? it's so easy to feel his presence and to get that big hug. Why It's because you're so familiar with it? And that's one thing that I want to do. That's one thing that you understand that what is in this house is real and what is in this house is powerful and that's what's in this house can change you. Thank God for faithful friends. It was in August the 3rd of 1971. It was at the youth camp in Buckeye Lake, Millersport, Ohio. the evangelist's name was W.E. Davis. Willie Davis used to be a missionary to Samoa. He was preaching that night, and he preached this text. And it's amazing that I still hear him preaching that. That's the night I got the Holy Ghost. Why? Why? Because I had some friends that came to me when I was sitting over there, put their arm around me and said, come on, Raj, let's go pray. Nah, I don't think I want to do that. Can I just pray here? I didn't want to go down front. Why? Because I didn't want to get publicly exposed. Forget that stuff. Forget that because what God's got for you is a better than any kind of humiliation. And you know what's so bad? You know what how the devil tricks you and you think that, oh, look, well, I wonder what's wrong with him. And those people wish they could do what you just did. Because <laughs> they don't have the nerve. They'll still pick up their three by six mat and live on it. I don't want to do that. I want to. I want to be free. So here's this guy. His friends took a risk. Here's what they were risking is their friend. They understood and they had the faith that if they get him near to Jesus, he would be healed. So they 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 took him up on top of the roof. <coughs> and when I read this, You know that God knows everything. The Bible says he's omniscient and he knows everything. So I'm sure remember when Jesus said we must needs go through Samaria because there's somebody that I got to meet at a well. And I'm sure he probably thought the same thing. I've got to go. No, I want to go to this house over here in Capernaum because there's somebody that's going to need. And they're, you know, they're going to do this thing and they're going to do that thing. And he tell me, Jesus didn't know. I'm sure he knew. But what happened was this guy, they took him up on top of the roof. Now, the roof system back then in these houses wasn't just a little piece of asphalt shingle. They didn't have that kind of stuff. It wasn't any plywood. They didn't have that either. They had beams depending on the trees that was available to build this house that would go across one wall to the next. And then they took Reeds that and sticks that they wrapped up and made rolls and bound those up and then they stacked them on top of the beams as cross beams. Then they put uh, 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 um, reeds and and other. Parts of of branches and stuff to kind of weave it in. We'll see that if we look at a cheeky hut. It would be kind of like that. And then they put clay and mixed all kinds of sand and everything in there. And they rolled it out so they were actually making another floor. They kind of made their kind of different if there would be some kind of a concrete mix on top of all of this stuff. And they say it was all sandwiched and it's at least three inches thick. So now you know things are different because in the summertime, they used that as a sleeping quarter because it was nice and cool outside. Anyway, this is what these guys had to dig through to get their friend to Jesus. It wasn't just a 10-minute chop saw type of a thing. They didn't have a cordless de-wall, whatever it was, that, that could get things done. They had to do this with their hand. I'm sure maybe they had some kind of a, of a knife or something, some kind of a tool, but they would, took a lot of digging just to rip this roof apart. Tell me Jesus didn't know what was going on. They first of all had to figure out where Jesus was in the house. Then they had to go and figure out, it's another thing. You just don't go tearing somebody's roof apart, do you? You don't do that today, especially today. So it was a big deal for these guys to tear all this stuff up because they still had faith. And I'm sure they probably kind of, uh, uh, reassured the each other. Yeah, come on, we can do this. Yeah, come on. As inside the house was going on, as Jesus was teaching, gravity took over. There's no way this stuff had to fall down right in the middle of the message. <laughs> People had to look up and see what's going on. Jesus still teaching, going at it. So this person, the paralytic guy laying on this three by six mat, he had to make a decision. Here's a decision. And also it's something that we don't really think about. Once they got that hole put in the roof, he had to decide to trust his friends enough because if he would have fallen, and they're estimating the the height of the rope was 10 feet, if he had fallen, he could have died. So they trust to hold on, to pull this down, to lower this, this mat down. And he had to make this decision. One thing for sure, I can risk it. They can drop me. I can be ridiculed. I can go home even worse than I came, but one thing was for certain, if I don't go through this hole that they made, I won't be healed. One thing that we have to make sure in our lives of our decision of what's going on, if I don't get where Jesus is, I'm going to stay the same that I am. And I don't want to stay the same bound up on my mat. I want to be set free. Amen. I want to be healed. Amen. I want to get to where Jesus is. Amen. It doesn't matter how long it takes me. How long did it take them to rip through the roof? It doesn't matter. What matters is I'm in the presence of the Lord. What matters is I'm in this house right now. What matters is I can feel the presence of God. What matters is I know he's here for me. The desire to get to Jesus has to override all of your excuses and all of the reasons that you have to come up with to stay on your mat. And we've done it before. Yeah, well, I'm this and yeah, that and, you know, (laughs) they didn't sing my song and there's too many people up there and uh, I don't like this person. I don't like you got to throw all that stuff out. And you've got a desire to get off this mat and go home a free place here's another thing this guy who knows how long he'd been on this mat he didn't go through therapy did he got right up learned how to walk again immediately the same with the guy and in, in, on uh in acts the third chapter at, at at the temple he didn't have to go through therapy for years God touched him, and by the power of of God, everything was healed, everything was back, and all the muscles worked properly, just like it did before. That's the power of God. That's the power of God. Sin does enslave people, doesn't it? Proverbs 5.22 says this, His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sins. I'd rather be free, don't you? I'd rather be free. Stand with me today. I know Jesus is my redeemer. When I was a kid at 8 o'clock, every Sunday night when the service started, the pastor would always just run up, and that was how we started the service. He'd sing that song. I've been redeemed by love divine. Oh, glory, glory, Christ is mine. How many's ever heard that? All to him, I now is on. I have been, I have been redeemed. Redeemed means to be released. It means to be set free. It means to be liberated. It means that I don't go home the same way I came because I've been redeemed. There's something real in my house. We've got to take it home and make sure that that real thing is in your own house. Amen. I'm glad I had my friends at youth camp that day that came to put their arms around me and asked me if I wanted to go and pray. And I'm so glad they did because I'd have never been back there. You've had the same amen. Let's close our eyes and worship and sing this song, can we? There is a sweet anointing in the sanctuary. There is a stillness in the atmosphere. Come and lay down. The burdens you have carried are in the saints you wear. God is here. How do you believe it with me? Come on.